Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. We're so glad that you've chosen to join us on this, the second Sunday of Advent. Advent is a season in the Christian calendar that I know not everyone is familiar with, so I thought I'd take a moment and tell you a little bit about it. The word Advent has to do with the arrival, the appearance, or the approach of someone. In the Christian calendar, Advent is a time to celebrate the arrival of our Savior, Jesus Christ, some 2,000 years ago. It's a time of reflection and leaning into the truth that Jesus, God in the flesh, really did come into our dark and broken world. And in this sermon series, we're looking at the advent of Jesus from several different angles. And today, we're taking up the question of why. Why exactly did Jesus come? If we're going to understand what it means to be a Christ follower, if our faith is going to have depth, it's really important for us to, to understand why Jesus came. Fortunately, we don't have to speculate because he told us why in no uncertain terms. Our text today is a story that's quite familiar to most of us, but it's not one that's typically associated with the Christmas season. We're gonna be reading from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 19. Beginning in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege that we have to gather as your people to look into your word so that our hearts might be taught, so that we might be prepared and equipped to move out into the world and be the men and women that you've called us to be. We pray now that your Holy Spirit would come just as you promised to be our teacher and to guide us into all truth. We offer our prayer in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. So why did Jesus come? Well, according to Jesus, the reason he came was to seek and to save who? The lost. Many things can be said about the story of Zacchaeus, and I'm sure you've probably heard many sermons about him over the years, but it's that word lost that I want us to home in on this morning. You know, there are few things in the human experience that can be more distressing than getting physically, geographically lost. It's frightening, it's frustrating, and in certain situations, it can even be a matter of life and death. 
And what makes the experience so disconcerting is that we know we're in a place that we're not supposed to be, but we don't know how to get to where we should be. Recently, I was reading an article uh, by the U.S. Forest Service on what to do if you get lost in the wilderness. And their guidance is threefold. Stop, stay calm, stay put. Now, I, I think most of us would completely agree with that advice until we get lost. If we actually get lost, our instinct is to do just the opposite. We don't stay calm, we get scared. And we don't stay put because that seems crazy. Why would I stay put? I've got to take action. I've got to do something to get myself out of this predicament. Nobody else is going to do it for me, so I can't stop, stay calm, and stay put. I've got to get on the move. But as we know from countless news stories, that can be the worst thing to do. In fact, more often than not, it makes the situation infinitely worse. In an article on the psychological effects of being lost, the author writes these words. It's hard to predict how someone who is lost will behave, though it's safe to assume, as search and rescue leaders always do, that they won't do much to help themselves. Few people manage to do what is often the most sensible thing and stay put. Most people feel compelled to keep moving and so throw themselves into the unknown in the hope that an escape route will somehow appear. Accounts by people who have been lost show that this urge to move is extremely hard to resist, even among skilled navigators. Ralph Bagnold, a pioneer of desert exploration in North Africa during the 1930s and 40s, and founder of British Army's Long Range Desert Group, recalled being seized by an extraordinary, powerful influence to carry on driving in any direction after losing his way in the Western Desert in Egypt. He considered it a kind of madness. This psychological effect, this impulse, has been the cause of nearly every desert disaster of recent years, he wrote. If one can stay still even for half an hour and have a meal or smoke a pipe, reason returns to work out the problem of location. Often compounding the problem of getting lost is a lack of preparation in the event that we do get lost. National Geographic reports that the overwhelming majority of those who get lost in the wilderness and don't survive are day hikers. Not your long-range backpackers and campers, but day hikers who didn't pack things necessary for survival, things like blankets, extra food, water, a compass. I mean, after all, they were just going on a day hike. So why bother to pack all of that stuff? Most of the time, the only hope that a lost hiker has is that someone will come and find them. And that's why it is so important not to strike out on our own, but to stop, stay calm, and stay put. As I read these articles, I realized the parallels between being physically lost and spiritually lost are striking. For starters, when we're spiritually lost, we're in a place we know we're not supposed to be, 
but we don't know how to get to where we should be. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, Scripture teaches that each one of us is created in the image of God. That is, in a variety of ways, we are a reflection of who God is. And the reason that He made us in His image is that we might be in a relationship with Him. Among all of God's creatures, we alone have that relational capacity. And that relationship is supposed to be our source of life, meaning, hope, purpose. A vital growing relationship with God is the place where we're all supposed to be. To be spiritually lost then is to be outside of a relationship with God. We're lost when we choose to live life on our own terms, essentially saying to God, I, I don't need you. I don't want you. I don't want to live my life according to your plan. I want to go my own way. The Bible calls this approach to life sin, and it makes clear that sin leads to just one thing, death. In the New Testament book of James, we read that when sin is allowed to remain and grow, it leads to death. And here's the thing. Once we're spiritually lost, we are incapable of finding our way back. We're completely unable to save ourselves. We're in a place we're not supposed to be, but we don't have any idea how to get to where we should be. But praise God, the good news is that someone is looking for us. Jesus said the reason that he came was to seek and to save the lost. He is constantly looking for us, and he's the only one who can rescue us from our predicament. So when we finally realize we're spiritually lost, what should we do? Stop, stay calm, and stay put. Don't try to save yourself, but trust that Jesus can and will save you. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Just acknowledge that I can't save myself and trust Jesus to do it for me. But just as people lost in the wilderness don't do the sensible thing, neither do those of us who are spiritually lost. Because we were made to be spiritually alive, one way or another, we will find a way to life, or so we think. And so we strike out on our own, taking one of any number of paths that this life has to offer. Some of us take the path of financial security. A meaningful life is found in filling up my bank account, making sure that I have all I need and perhaps a little bit more, eliminating all worry that I won't be able to pay my bills or do what I want to do. But somewhere along the line, something happens, something that we didn't anticipate. Something like COVID comes along and business dries up. Someone younger and smarter comes up behind us and takes our job. Our well-thought-out business plan falls flat on its face. Our health takes a hit and we can no longer produce. Others of us are convinced that relationships are the pathway to happiness. If we could just get in the right friend group, or if we could just find Mr. or Ms. Wright, or if we could just start a family, surely all would be well if we can have those relationships with the right people, the ones that we just know will give us a sense of fulfillment. Sometimes, though, 
friends don't turn out to be who we thought. And inevitably, if we're married, we wake up one day and realize our spouse is a broken, sinful person just like us, who has bad breath and annoying habits that we never dreamed possible. Children are indeed a blessing, but they arrive with almost unlimited power over our hearts, including the power to break them, and one day they will. The list of pathways is endless, really. Pleasure and satisfying our every urge, having all the right toys, significant accomplishments, ordering life so that it's just the way we want it to be, and on and on it goes. While the paths that we can take are numerous and varied, the one thing that they all have in common is that each one of them leads to a dead end. The only thing that they can do for us is get us more lost. And you know why? Because we were made in the image of God. We were created for Him and Him alone. And nothing this world has to offer will be a satisfactory substitute. Oh, it, it may soothe and pacify for a while, but only God can fill the God-shaped void that exists in each of our hearts. But here's the good news. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. You'll remember on that first Christmas night, a host of angels appeared to some shepherds. And what did they say? I bring you good news that is cause for great joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The good news that causes great joy for all people is the fact that God has not abandoned us. When we were lost in our sins and in our rebellion, He came looking for us. Now, some of you already know that you're lost. But maybe there are others listening who either aren't sure or maybe not even convinced. So what is my word for you? Stop. Take stock of your life and, and ask yourself honestly, in my heart of hearts, am I really where I'm supposed to be? A am I really capable of getting myself to that place? Stay calm. Don't go running down the first path you see or the one that seems the most attractive. Instead, stay put. Give God a chance to speak into your heart and reveal the truth to you, whatever that may be. Years ago, a friend of mine went Christmas shopping with her four-year-old son. Now, this was back in the day when you actually had to go to the store. There was no such thing as online, and of course, it's what everybody did. The stores were always packed with people, and finding a parking place was a nightmare. Well, these two had been at Macy's for about half an hour when my friend turned around and realized to her horror that her son was gone. Her first instinct, of course, was to panic, but she managed to get a hold of herself and tried to remember when was the last time that she actually saw him. And as she was standing there fighting off the panic, she suddenly heard a little voice from the next aisle over. Mom, come find me. You know, that's all that you have to say to Jesus. Come find me, and he will. 
Now, many of us, I realize, have already been found by Jesus, and we've been walking with him for years. Uh, perhaps you're wondering, Pastor Dan, have you got a word for me today? Well, yes, I do. You see, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we become a part of his body, and we begin the lifelong process of being conformed to his image. The whole point of becoming a Christian is to be like Jesus. And just as he is actively seeking the lost, so should we. In fact, the last words that Jesus spoke on earth were a command for his followers to tell the whole world about him. There's not just one way to do this. Sharing the good news of Jesus can happen in all sorts of ways. In fact, I want to tell you about two very simple ways that you can do starting today. First of all, invite someone that you know to our drive-in movies coming up this week. You know they're going to last for six consecutive nights beginning December the 18th. And on each one of those nights, we're going to be making a clear presentation of the gospel. So be praying about who you should invite to come and watch a movie. A second way is to encourage your lost friends to tune in to our online Christmas Eve service. You know, if ever there is a time of the year that people are willing to open their hearts to spiritual things, it's Christmas time. And as always, the message will present the gospel in a winsome, interesting, and helpful manner. I'd like us to close our time together in a time of prayer. Giving God a chance in the quietness of this moment to speak to all of our hearts. So won't you pray with me right now? Father, first of all, I want to lift up to you those that are listening who have realized that, yes, I, I am lost. I am separated from God, and I want more than what this life has to offer. If that's you, all you have to do right now is pray a very simple prayer. Jesus, I'm lost and I know that I'm lost. And I can't do anything about it. So I'm asking you now, would you please come and find me? Would you reveal yourself to me? Forgive me for my wandering, for my lostness, and draw me to yourself. And Lord, I want to pray too uh, for those who know you. We can all think of someone who doesn't know you. And so I pray that even right now, you, you would be bringing to mind people that we need to invite to our drive-in movies and to the Christmas Eve online service. And then, Lord, give us an occasion to make that invitation. I pray that you would order our lives in such a way that we intersect with these people in the coming days so that we could make that ask. Thank you, thank you that you did not leave us lost, but that you intentionally, purposefully came looking for us, that we might be with you, that our hearts might be filled, and that the hope of eternal life would not be a dream or a fantasy, but a reality. We offer our prayer in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.